Hi. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. I said hello this time. You did. I did. Good Last job. week or Thursday. I didn't say hello. Yeah, that's okay. You get hellos today. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Part two. You yes. survived the how many days is it? Four days? Three days? Four days between part one and part two? In anticipation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully I did it justice. Or if you're like me and there's two parts, you just wait until they're both out and then you yeah, I'd probably do. <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> I'd probably do that. All right. So recap. You wanted a recap? I do. Kananan family. How are we spelling Kananan, by the way? K A N A N E N. Oh yeah, that's very different than what I was writing. Now I can look at pictures. Ah. I love yeah. looking at pictures. So, Richard Sr., abusive, disappeared, no one cared. They said good riddance. Yes. No one reported him missing. Mom continued to collect up to $100,000 in Social Security checks <laughs> that belonged to Richard. Richard, Cheryl, and Stacy grew up very conditioned. Because of their father's abuse. And then mom went missing. And signs kind of point all over the place. It's just weird. But Cheryl is suspicious of her brother and sister. Richard Jr. is definitely acting weird and saying weird stuff. Stacy seems to be a little bit weird. Richard is living with Stacy and Susan. Yes. Susan, Susan is, is Stacy's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yes. So we stand Susan in this house. Yeah. I'm all about Susan. Mm-hmm. And what else? We talked about oh, just the the dynamic between Cheryl and Stacy. I really talked about that a lot because I think it it comes into play with how yeah. and why Cheryl just kind of assumes that Stacy's part of it. She doesn't mm-hmm. she never like comes out and asks her. And that's their communication is just terrible. Like the whole family's. Just terrible. So, are we good? Does that kind of cover? I think so. So, we just kind of covered their background, their childhood. If you didn't listen to part one, this would be silly. Please go listen to part one first. Yes, please, because for sure. Because I know when you're listening to, like, in order of podcasts, newest to oldest, yeah, I have noticed that. We have some two-parters that more people listen to mm-hmm. the second one and then they know the end of the story so then they never listen to the first yeah, one. Yeah, and I imagine it would be confusing. This is definitely one that you want the background because if you don't have the background, it's kind of hard to believe that things happen yeah. the way that they did. So now we're going to focus on 2003 and beyond. Okay. So once Marilyn Cannonan goes missing, the mom... And the adult children are all at odds on how to handle things and what to do. Cheryl's harassing the police. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I think there's more to it than that. We'll get there. Well, I mean, calling once a week, I don't think is harassment. No. I think it's just like, no. yo, get some work done, please. Well, yeah. Can you tell I'm not a fan of Cheryl? Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not a fan. Okay, so on to the investigation. As I said, before they even found anything on Marilyn's whereabouts, 
or even a, you know, they did not have a body. They did not, they handed it over to the homicide department. I'm very intrigued by that because I think that they may have known more than than we know at this probably. point. Probably. I mean, they probably had something that led them to believe yeah. that she was dead. I'm sure. I don't think they're that incompetent. Yeah. Not that. Not that incompetent. Incompetent. <laughs> but the newly appointed homicide detective, Mark Hussey, <laughs> poured... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I I later will just refer to him as Hussey because that's funnier. (laughs) Um, He poured himself into this case quite literally. He dug up as much on the family as he could with much help from Cheryl. Interesting. And was quite suspicious of not only Richard, but of Stacy from the start. It was certainly true that the Canaan family did not interact like most. But even after learning about the abuse they endured, he was convinced that both Richard and Stacy's behavior was that of guilty persons. After hearing from neighbors that things were being moved out of Marilyn's home, he even went so far as to drive by on his days off. I do think it's weird that he moved stuff out of the house. Oh, it absolutely is. Don't get me wrong. That is super weird. But... It's also weird for a detective to take his time on his day off. Is it weird? When he's off duty, you're a little too involved in the case. I don't think that's necessary. I think I think you should have some work-life boundaries, but I, I don't think it's that weird. I mean, it, well, okay. Well, let's see how you feel about this. While Stacy and her girlfriend Susan were having a yard sale, he made it a point to stop and question why they were selling Marilyn's collectibles without considering that Stacy and Susan both worked for Disney and also collected the same types of collectibles. They're like, we don't need two of these things. Well, no, they just, they were choosing to get rid of their own stuff. Oh. (laughs) But because stuff had been moved out of the house, because Richard had taken stuff and put it into a storage unit, he just assumed because Cheryl had told him, oh, mom, had collectibles. These are the things that are being moved out of the house, I I think. Okay. Um, And she knew that because instead of confronting Richard and or getting a key or taking legal action, this is part of my ick about Cheryl. Instead of doing anything the proper way, she just had her husband break into Marilyn's house like you have to look around and they saw that he that stuff was gone. Like you have a perfectly fine you have claimed to say, no, yes. I, part of this is mine. You can't just you know yes. lock me out. I have I have a right to exactly. be there. And she even testified in court that she believed she was the one that was supposed to be the executor yeah. or personal representative of Marilyn's estate. So if that's true, she had every legal right. And I don't see why it wouldn't be true because yeah, she didn't like of Marilyn's Richard. feelings about Richard. Yeah. So I don't think that Marilyn would have appointed. No, I agree. I thought from I thought from day one it was weird that it wasn't Cheryl and it was Richard. Exactly. I say so, from day one, from like four hours ago. This whole thing, like it's just so messed up. It's so messed up. Anyway, sorry. That was a tangent. <laughs> Mr. Hussey confronts Stacy and Susan and they're like what are you talking about this is our stuff yeah 
we also collect things, yeah. but they didn't know what to say. They were so caught off guard. That's just not, you're just sitting there having yard sale and this homicide detective comes up and starts questioning you when yeah. he's supposed to be looking for your mother and Stacy's just confused, right? And the way his whole tone and his attitude towards her, she felt like, oh, he has like some sort of vendetta against me. Yeah. So needless to say, Stacy at that point had been relying on Cheryl and or Richard to give her updates on the case. But especially after that happened, she was way too uncomfortable to contact them because Mark Hussey was the one the one detective to Conda. It was his case. Yeah. So that's who you're going to call if you want an update. And he's made you feel like you're a suspect. Yes. So why so, would you call him? I don't blame her. And then at some point around there, Cheryl stopped returning her calls. Stacey would leave her voicemails and Cheryl stopped returning her calls. At that point then, she had to r- rely, or she didn't have to, but because of their weird dynamic she then relied on richard for information but at the same time she's making herself kind of look guilty because it looked as though she wasn't invested in where her mother was must see that's the thing when it just looks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's not always a duck yeah normally it's a duck though normally yes but it's not a duck this time So, of course, detectives had found much of the information I shared in part one during their investigation, but as they were digging up the past, they were also watching Richard and Stacey's movements, and Richard was really the one that they should have been watching more, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that they were, but but it kind of seemed as though they were, like, watching them equally. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I don't know all those details, so, meh. I'm just basing that off what I do know. Now, Cheryl, oh, Cheryl. (laughs) Cheryl admits that she found it strange from the beginning about the locks on the house being changed and she never got a key and then Richard had a key and she believed that Stacy had a key, but I actually don't know that Stacy, like it's never actually said that, oh, Stacy had a key too. So I don't know. But at the same time, it doesn't appear that she ever asked Stacy for a key. If she thought Stacy had a key, why would you not even if even if you think Richard is volatile and you're worried like he'll get, you know, to whatever, why would you not ask Stacy for a key? It's just it's a lot of little weird things like that that make me go, this is all weird. Hmm. Strange. Um, yes, Richard and Stacy's behavior is strange, but I feel like Cheryl's behavior is also strange, just not necessarily pointing in the direction that she had anything to do with Marilyn's disappearance. But why would you point fingers at them if you didn't ask, you didn't yeah. like confront, you didn't whatever? I don't know. So they established, as I said, that Richard had moved out personal items first. Because I believe when Cheryl and Chris kind of broke into the house, like all the personal items were gone, Mm -hmm. but there was furniture at that point. Okay. But as they watched him, they realized he eventually took the furniture and everything. But again, I don't know that Cheryl ever asked him, what are you doing? Why why is this stuff being, you know, where are you taking it? And we talked in part one about why they didn't communicate that way. Exactly. Yeah. And so it does make sense if you look at it with that 
you know, right. that lens on. So that being said, if we can understand why Cheryl wouldn't ask these questions, then is it really, just keep in mind, is it really crazy to think that Stacy wouldn't ask either? No, that's not crazy at all. Right. Okay. Just want to make sure that's not just me. No. Because <laughs> that's how I felt about it. Again, when the topic did come up, he would tell Stacy, hey, I'm trying to protect her assets. I just want, you know, to keep up with the house and including the whole redoing the garage floor. He excused that decision away as, well, I'm taking care of the cracks in the garage floor because there had been cracks in the garage floor for over a decade. And he or Marilyn had previously just put metal plates over Mm -hmm. them. Now, like many Floridians, Marilyn did not use her garage to park her car. Yeah. But rather as like a storage area. And she even had one portion of it set up as like a play area for her grandkids when they would come over. Mm -hmm. Detective Hussey found out about the garage floor and assumed that because Stacy was at one of those meetings, she knew exactly what was happening. But she insisted that she was only there temporarily for like a portion of it to give input on picking a color because it was like the stone veneer kind of garage flooring stuff that you put over top of the concrete. And that Richard just said, hey, can you come meet with the person they're going to have samples pick a color? That's all Stacy knew about it. And she she knew that he said he was wanted to fix that because it's a problem with the house and at some point we have to sell the house to give the money to the IRS then yeah. we want the house in good shape. I can totally see why they wouldn't ask questions. A because of their background, but B his lies I'm well, I'm assuming they're lies. I don't know if they're lies, but I'm assuming that they are because this is a true crime podcast. Um <laughs> that like I would I would be like, yeah, okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I don't even think like me doing loving true crime and stuff. If that happened and my brother was like, well, I just I need to do that. Part of me would be like, "Okay, so I think you're just trying to do something. You know, you just need something to do because you feel out of control. Yeah. okay, whatever. I don't think I would question it. I'd go go pick out colors, too. And I don't have the trauma that they have. Yeah. The trauma that they have does not let them ask questions like that. Yeah. Or ask why. So I don't think that their behavior is that weird. Now, him doing the garage floor is a little bit odd, but it's not the weirdest thing. I don't even think that's odd. Yeah. I think him taking all of her stuff out is Yeah, because a lot of people don't do that strange. in grief. They'd leave it. Yes. And at that point, they didn't know where she was. Like, Yeah, what if she comes back well, and you've moved all her stuff? I say they didn't know where she was. We don't know who knows who she is at this point. Right. So. Anyway, it is weird that he took all her stuff out wanting to protect her what? Like, no. Yes. Now, again, let me reiterate that the timeline on, like, when all these individual things happen is a little muddled for me. It's very hard, both watching the trial or in Stacy's book, to keep track of exactly, Mm -hmm. like, what order everything happened in. So keep in mind as I go through that yeah, things may be a little bit switched up unintentionally. But this I do know. So Marilyn went missing in September. I believe it was December, just a few months later, into the investigation. Cheryl's son 
mm-hmm. who had been spending all that time with Richard, told her and his father, Chris, that Richard had told him many things in their time together that were rather incriminating. Richard had not only been telling his nephew about his supposed work of taking out abusive parents to mm-hmm. save the children, but he also claimed he knew how to rob a bank, hack into bank accounts, con people out of money, kidnap people, and kill people in ways that make it look accidental or like suicide. So that's a little funky. Also told them that Richard had said that he shot his father, Richard Sr., quote, blow to blow, whatever that means. Yeah. (laughs) They, of course, said, okay, we're taking you to the station. Yeah. (laughs) You have to report this. And their son, he was only like 12 at the time. Oh, I thought he was older than that. Mm-mm. He He's older when he testifies in court. But I'm at still, the like, time in 2003, he was like 11, just turned 12. Oh, I was picturing like a 15 or 16 year old. No, he was very young. Aww, like Richard should not have too been. too young for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I even kind worse. of was thinking like a 16 year old. Sometimes the 16 year olds, you forget that they're so young. And Yeah. Nope. This kid was young. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they take him to the station, and undoubtedly, when Detective Hussey is already, it's Hussian chomping at the bit. Actually, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't. I don't know. But if I were to try to connect the dots, this may have been the point oh. to, at which they say, "Oh, wait, this might be a homicide and not just a missing person." So, well, that yeah, that would that make sense. sense. But I'm sure. That these statements just absolutely validated all of Detective Hussey's suspicions. Around that same time, Richard suddenly came into some money that he claimed was from an electrical job he was working on. Where are your time cards? (laughs) He gave Stacy $2,500 for Christmas, and he offered to pay off Susan's car, and he offered... To help Stacy with a down payment on a new truck, because her truck was dying, basically. She said it would like break down in the middle of traffic all the time. This must have been a big electrical job. He also bought himself a brand new truck. This is a really big electric job. Yeah. Stacy and Susan at some point their question. And they both told detectives that they believed Richard about the money because they had no reason not to. So even though Susan doesn't suffer from the same nonsense that they did, even she was like, well, he had this electrical company. He told us he was working on this job. I don't make it a point to question people. And he had lived with us for about a year paying no rent. So we just assumed that this was his way of paying us back. Well, and I guess if he said it was like a big commercial job. It was. He literally pointed to a shopping mall or a plaza and he's Mm -hmm. like, see all these lights? This is what I've been working on. Okay. So then it's not that weird that he was like, to them, it wouldn't be that strange. And and keep in mind, like, obviously this man has conned people before and their father was a con man. Their father, what he went to prison for was forgery. So he knows how to con people. But his family didn't know what he was doing all those years no. that he was gone. So why, you know, it's not crazy that they wouldn't believe him. And even if they felt a little weird about it, 
Well, and you'll you want to believe the best. And a lot of people still want to believe the best in their family. Well, you guys know, even I will sometimes be like, oh, I understand how they got there, though. Yeah. Like, even about criminals. And it's like, I'm very empathetic. So, for me, I totally get why they didn't look at it weird. Yep. Unfortunately, when Marilyn's accounts were frozen and Stacy found out by a bank statement that came in the mail, she still didn't turn to Richard and go... What the hell's going on? <laughs> she claims that she just didn't understand why they were frozen. Well, I mean, I can see how she would assume like, oh, they're frozen because she's been gone for months. Yeah. But she was concerned because obviously bills still needed to be paid. Like the mm. house payment still needed to be made. I think she probably had a car payment or something like that. And since it just said the accounts have been frozen, she questioned it. I think she does say at some point that she did have a conversation with Richard, but Richard didn't necessarily tell her to call the bank, but he may have suggested it. He wasn't like, here, call, you know, but he just casually like said, well, I don't know, call the bank and see if you can find out. So she calls the bank and she swears that she stated who she was when she called, but the bank's records say no say that she called saying she was Marilyn. And when asked if she was aware that she had been listed as a missing person, she said no. That is the only thing in all of this that I'm still, I'm like, oh, Stacy. So <laughs> that's, that makes you look guilty. Yeah, because like as somebody who works in an office that records everything, mm-hmm. and I work with banks a lot, mm-hmm. they're not normally wrong in their records. I mean, they're dealing with people's money, so. Yeah, and I <laughs> don't know if I recall from the the bank rep who took the call, her testimony in court, I don't know that the call was recorded, mm-hmm. but like they take notes on, yeah. on the matter. In any case, that's what the records show, whether it was a bankrupt taking notes. And why would the bankrupt have reason to, like, lie initially? I mean, there's no... Because they have to take notes right then, like, as it's happening, not after the fact. So, anyway, the bankrupt initially says, oh, let me help you. And then she sees that, yeah, oh, this is a frozen account. And it's a... Like, they have to contact... Police. Police. Yeah. So she asked, are are you aware that you're listed as a missing person? She says, no. She says, well, okay. Well, the accounts, yes, are blocked. I cannot give you any information. You need to contact police, specifically Detective Mark Hussey, if you want more details. And here's where I think it shows that she wasn't trying to be shady, like truly shady, is that she did. She called and left him a message saying, I'm just trying to find out, are her bills going to get paid? Why are the accounts frozen? I don't. Do you think maybe when the bank person just asked her and she thought she said, oh, well, I'm her daughter or I'm calling on behalf of or whatever. And then she asked, what do you know you're listed as a missing person? She went and thought, oh, I didn't know that the bank knew and said no. Possibly. Like, I don't. I'm trying to figure out why she would have said no. Yeah. Clearly, if she called the detective, she wasn't trying to, like, get access to the accounts again. Well, yeah, and and she's calling the detective who's already been suspicious of yeah, her. Yeah, like, why would she do that? You know, I don't know. I think it may just be a miscommunication on, on both sides for that. Like, Entirely possible, yes. So flash forward a bit. Once they felt that they had enough evidence, 
detectives got their search warrant for Marilyn's home mm-hmm. and specifically to dig up the garage floor. Oh, 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 I didn't even think about that. Oh, I'm so bad at being a true crime podcaster. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. I didn't even think about the fact that he was recovering the garage floor. I'm going to hand in my, my remember, armchair detective I, badge there because <laughs> I picked that up earlier and I didn't deserve Rem- that. Remember I said it had been cracked, like the concrete yeah. had been cracked for oh well over a decade. Yeah. yeah. So. Wow. I didn't think about that. Once they had the warrant... The same day that they planned to go search. Pause. If you got that before I did, please tell me. Please (laughs) let us know if you you figured it out before I did. So Mark Hussey calls Richard. He doesn't call Stacy. He just calls Richard Richard. and says, hey. Actually, we don't even know what what he said. But basically, he tells him, I need you to come down. I need to talk to you in person. What he specifically said to Richard, we're not sure. But what Richard then told him, according to Detective Hussey's testimony in court, was that Richard just offered up to bring Stacy. Oh, he said, okay, I'll bring Stacy. Stacy and I will come. Yeah. And then Richard told Stacy that they needed to go because Detective Hussey had information on the case. Like he was giving him an update, oh. but wanted to speak to them in person. Like everything, she okay. Now, obviously, one could definitely argue that Stacy should have caught on by now, but she didn't exactly until they got there and she became apprehensive, but she still wasn't even a hundred percent like things are clicking, I'm mm-hmm. understanding what's happening. Even when they got there and they put them in two separate rooms. She still at first she still didn't totally See, it understand. It shows the not naivety, but like the innocence of. No, she's it just... does. Yeah, and she said, "I mean, she says in her book, I feel like an idiot." Once everything started clicking, yeah. she's like, "I'm embarrassed to but admit." You can't, but I can't. Don't be embarrassed by that. You're you're not looking at it from the outside perspective of, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. You are in the moment. Yeah, and your parent is missing. Yeah. She's in the room, alone, two detectives. Luckily for her, not Mark Hussey. I was going to say, he's don't over. be putting me in a room with no Hussey. <laughs> he's over with Richard. Okay. Richard likes the Hussey. Yes. Well, somebody else likes the Hussey a little more. Oh, no. Um. <gasps> oh, no. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so to earn my detective badge yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But I got to the end of Stacy's book and I was like, I knew it. I freaking knew it. Okay. Anyway, so she's being questioned by two detectives at first, seemingly routine questions. So I think that's why she was apprehensive when they separated. But once they started initially asking questions, yeah. she kind of thought, oh, well, maybe they have some information, but they just want to, like, confirm things with us individually. Okay. But then they get into asking was anything sold of Marilyn's? And she's like, oh, great. Here's the the garage sale bit again. But they quickly moved on. She said, no, nothing has been sold. They moved on. She felt relief for just a moment. And then quickly, that turned to dread as they asked things like, how does Richard feel about your mother? And then that dread, even quicker, turned into panic 
when they informed her that they have found nothing indicating that Marilyn owed money to the IRS and that it has nothing to do with her disappearance. I was not expecting that turn of events. The detectives then questioned her about Marilyn and their grandfather's bank account. Yes. So Mar- after... The one that they built the... Memorial the Garden Memorial for. Garden yes. for. So that was Marilyn's father, and he came to live with her. I don't know exactly. I think it was just a few years after Richard Sr. disappeared. Mm-hmm. And he lived with her until he passed. And he apparently had a trust account that Marilyn was the executor over. So they questioned her about those accounts. And while Stacy said she could not say what Richard had done with the accounts, because to her knowledge, mm-hmm. he was taking care of everything. Yeah. She Well, and to her, he's always been a protector. Mm-hmm. Could always rely on him. Yes. But she did admit she openly told them. He had recently given her and Susan money, and she explained why, for their vehicles. He gifted her money at Christmas. He paid off Susan's car. He gave me some money for the down payment. She was honest about that. And like I said, she wrote in her book like how thoroughly embarrassed she was through this interview as she started piecing things together based on the questions they were asking. I feel bad. I want to give her a hug. It's not your fault. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to think the worst of people. Yeah. You know? And she tried to tell them because of course they're like, you know, why didn't you ask him? Why didn't you ask him about that? She tried to explain the way we grew up. You don't. You just don't question people on things. Like, you just don't ask questions. And if you do ask and they don't answer or they give you an answer that you don't like, it doesn't matter. You don't ask again. Mm-hmm. Then they informed her about the $100,000 that had been taken from Marilyn's trust account since her disappearance, to which she explained that she thought all the money Richard had given her, given Susan, mm-hmm. bought his truck, had come from an electrical project he had been working on. The detective then jumped into asking what they will find when they pull up the metal plates and dig up the garage floor. That really stunned her. Because she's like, I don't know, dirt? Yeah. She was like, what? What What are you talking about? Somebody let Susan in the room with her. I don't like that she's in there by herself. No, Susan was at work. Stacy didn't know but realized this was far worse than just some stolen money. Up until that point, she was thinking, oh, God, Richard, what did you do? Like, you took money. She thought that's what the problem was. Well, I think that's what I would think. Well, I don't know. I'm a worst-case scenario thinker all the time, and I'm also very paranoid, so I might have thought the worst. But normal people shouldn't think like that. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't call the canon. It's normal, but (laughs) but I could... But you know what I mean. Yeah, I could see her... Again, you're wanting to think the best. And so I'm sure she didn't want to believe or couldn't believe that he would have hurt their mother. Exactly. So they told her that they believe they may find Marilyn. And then they asked her who put the metal plates there in the first place. She told the detective Richard did. And yes, she lived in the house at the time and found it weird. But again, she did not ask questions because you just didn't do that. You do that. Stacy repeatedly told them that she didn't know about the money, and then detectives switched it up yet again, asking why she didn't report her mother missing. And she's like, my sister I was did. at the house. I was with them when 
but my you don't need three missing persons reports. You need one. Yes. She's and like, in fact, they tell you only one person should exactly. do Exactly. <laughs> She's like, I was with Cheryl and Richard when, when it was filed. And then she explained that she didn't see a need to reiterate everything. She was there and she heard Cheryl tell the officer everything that they had encountered, what they thought might have happened, talk about the family. Yeah. So she didn't feel the need to give more because she's like, Cheryl covered it. What else is there to give? When she denied being in cahoots with Richard, they started claiming they understand she's not the strong take charge one and maybe she's just going along with whatever Richard asks her to do. They kept pushing and though clearly panicking and freaked out, she continued to tell them she had no idea about the money or what they're going to find in the house. So all our true crime people, like I'm sure most of us have watched enough police interviews to know there are very few people that can go through a lengthy police interview and not trip up. Even if they won't say, oh, you're right, you got me. They usually, their stories change. Something, something. Something changes throughout. She consistently was like, this is what happened. I don't know. I don't know where he got the money. I don't know what's in the garage. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She did admit to them that if they found either of their parents in the garage, then Richard must have had something to do with it. Like she came to that realization and she's like, I don't see how he couldn't have had something to do with it. But she didn't say, oh, then he definitely was what like she didn't. She just said, yeah, there's no other explanation. Yeah. Yet they continued to push, clearly not believing that she was telling the truth. And while she was trying to explain that she had no idea what happened, Richard was borderline incoherently babbling to two detectives, including Hussey, about where he thought Marilyn was. When they couldn't trip him up with questions to admit he killed either of their parents or that he knew where they were, They turned to telling Richard that they believe maybe Marilyn killed Richard Sr. And he may have just helped hide the bodies. And that would be just a misdemeanor. So he should really tell them what happened to at least the father, Richard Sr. Is hiding bodies just a misdemeanor? Or were they just saying I don't know. I forgot to. I meant to look that up. I was like, that seems like really lax. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. So here's the funny thing. As the detective is like laying out this big story about how like maybe your mom killed Richard Sr. And you just came and like helped clean up after the fact. And you were too scared. Da 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 da. Lays it all out. Richard. Felony. Second degree felony. Yeah. He's he's lying. In in Florida anyway. Which this this is in Florida. Florida. It's statute 775082. Yeah. They're allowed to lie, right? Yeah. I don't know. So, so Richard just keeps going, uh-huh, uh-huh, as the detective is <laughs> saying all this stuff. Oh, she found something else. Technically, abuse of a corpse is a misdemeanor. So, like... Yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. That's probably moving, what he was referring yeah, to. Yeah, like moving a body that had been killed yes. out of the way. Yes. And tampering with the crime scene is a misdemeanor. Yes. And that's what but he was alluding to. Intentionally intentionally tampering with a deceased human body other than just like little size is a second yeah. degree felony. Yeah. Sorry. I had to know. 
No that's, problem. That's the problem with, with us burden of proofers. <laughs> we have to know right now. We don't call we don't call each other burden of we don't we don't call people burden of proofers. That's weird. We need a name. We can't I know. I've been trying to think of a, a like nickname for listeners. Proofers is not a no, good it's a bad one. It's bad. We'll come up with it and we'll let you know. If any of you have any ideas, let yes. us know. Little legal beagles. Legal beagles. I can't do that either. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. But anyway, my point was I just couldn't not know if that was a misdemeanor yeah. or a felony. I had to know. Yes, I think the second one is correct. What I think that's yeah. what he was referring to. So Richard is just nodding along. Yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Not admitting, and they're not taking that as a confession, but he doesn't say, like, no, that never happened. No, why are you saying that? No, like, he doesn't push back at all. So since they don't crack him and get him to start spilling his mm-hmm. guts, They just tell him, well, you just sit here and think about that, what we talked about. Just think about it for a while. And they stepped out of the room. And as they started to, he responded that he didn't know where his father was, but his mother left this and proceeded to hand them a receipt for a concrete saw in Marilyn's name. Okay. Where were you hiding this actual piece of evidence? I don't don't have words. It was then... That the two detectives went to Stacy's room, the room where she was being questioned, and informed her that Richard had just confessed to everything, stating that they will find their parents in the garage and that Stacy knew about it all and that she actually killed her father. No, she didn't. You leave my Stacy girl out of this. She continued to deny knowing anything about any of it. And though she at one point sort of shut down and became more withdrawn, as detectives got forceful with her, she never once wavered from denying, like, I don't know. Okay, where is Cheryl? They're just interviewing mm-hmm. Richard and Stacy. Oh, well, they've already talked to Cheryl. They talked to Cheryl weekly. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, this isn't talking. This is an interrogation. Yeah. Even when they tried to use her father's abuse against her. She insisted it only made her more scared of him, not angry or bold enough to kill him. So, essentially, he's like, well, come on, you must have been angry at him and fed up with his abuse. She's like, look at me. (laughs) I am a mouse. (laughs) I do not. I shut down and withdraw. I'm scared. I, no. They then questioned her reaction, stating if someone was accusing them of killing their parents, they would be outraged and asked why she wasn't defending herself. She is. Well, she was, but yeah, most people would get really worked up and mad, and she was just seemingly on the outside calm because the woman has endured years of such abuse She can't that get she has upset. learned how to get through traumatic and dramatic and stressful, high-stress situations. Yeah. That's how it works. Trauma victims can get through anything, any crazy emergency, and they'll seem cool as a cucumber. And then afterwards, they totally fall apart because they lost their pen. <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly. You just like, can't. That's how it works. You can't behold the fact that she's withdrawing against her because if, ugh, that sucks, man. I'm, I hate this. So she told them that she was just baffled. But truly, the deeper answer was just as I said, she had been conditioned to stay calm during attacks because if she reacted, and she writes all about this in her book, 
if she reacted during an attack, whether it was a beating or rape, it would mean that that attack was going to turn more violent. Mm -hmm. So at that point, they were done. And they said, oh, okay, well, the questioning's over. Here, you guys wait here. And they took her and put her in the room with Richard. Who they just told her confessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she didn't understand because Richard acted completely normal towards her. So she's sitting there thinking, You psycho? You just like threw me under the bus and I didn't know anything. And now you're going to act like everything's fine? Like, I don't understand. He like asks her what's said, I believe. And then she says that he just kept repeating, it's over, it's over. And she told him, I don't know anything. I told them what I knew, but I don't really know anything. Yeah. And then she tells him, well, they told me you accused me of killing dad. He completely skips over that question, that accusation. Yeah. He he just keeps going off on his tangent. And he proceeded to start like this rather odd conversation. Really, the only thing that Stacy said in the conversation, based on what I could gather, was she did talk about calling the bank. So, but again, calling the bank in the way that she did, was it right? No. But does it mean she's guilty of murder? Also, no. Also, no. And, like, again, it's about intention with the whole bank thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, I think it was partially a just a miscommunication issue. But I'm not going to say I haven't called and pretended to be my mom to do something before. Exactly. I'm sure I have. Exactly. I forged my mother's signature on school stuff. You know, well, I mean, alleged- <laughs> allegedly on school stuff. Allegedly. Sorry, mom. <laughs> she knows. She hasn't signed a piece of paperwork for me since like oh, 2005. Yeah, that's right. Like, I don't, <laughs> since I was in school, but like, I'm allegedly. Um, allegedly. I just allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't want to go to jail for forgery. But like, it's again, I don't think that she did anything really that crazy wrong. Well, this part kind of was like, again, have you never watched a cop show? They're listening to you. Yeah, that's true. And the entire thing was recorded, of course. Of course it was. But basically, like, just to break down the conversation that they had, it was all about what the detectives had found out, what Stacy had told them. And then Richard would periodically say throughout it, you have to help me do something when we leave. Well, that's not suspicious. And then he eventually admitted that he wanted to take his own life because we need to be in control of this. In control of what, you psycho? Hold on to your pants because it's about to get even weirder. I'm wearing a dress. Hold on to your dress. Okay. I got it. (laughs) I'm holding it. I just needed... The instructions were unclear. Okay. The detectives didn't actually have a confession from Richard. Obviously, they didn't have a confession from Stacy. So they had to let them go. Yeah. But they did, in fact, they did not lie about having a warrant. They told them, we have a warrant. We're going to go search the garage. So Richard and Stacy left the station, and that's when everything really spiraled out of control. Stacy was already terrified because not only did the detectives insist she had something to do with the murder, but they also implied charges could be brought against Susan for taking the money from Richard. Oh, don't do that. And why are they so mean? Stacy and Susan had been having issues, but Stacy still loved her and wanted well, to do yeah. what she could to protect her. They've got At- a lot of history. 
at the same time, she was convinced that this would be their undoing, no matter what. On the drive home, Richard then admitted to her that the body in the garage was their father's. And Stacy claimed that that was the first time in her life she ever felt scared of her brother. You just sent this woman home like they drove there together. And now I, I, I can't. But reality really set in when they drove past Marilyn's house on the way home and saw the CSI unit there. Not knowing what else to do, though, Stacy just went home. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, I always like to think about how after these crazy things happen, you have to, like, go to sleep and, mm-hmm. like, brush your teeth, mm-hmm. wash your face and go to bed, feed your dog. I, like, yeah. Like, how do you carry on normal How do you activities? sweep off your front porch? <laughs> after you figured out that so you're specific that you're right to do that later after your brother <laughs> just admitted to killing your father and that he's under the garage of your childhood yeah. home like what just a normal tuesday fine carry on gonna go wash my welcome mat thanks so they go home and still reeling from the news of their father stacy didn't want to hear it when richard began talking about suicide again but this time was a little different it was then that he brought up that she and Susan would be found guilty as well because he had buried Marilyn's body in their <gasps> backyard. What? I'll let that settle in. <laughs> yes. He said, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. Uh-huh. What? Richard insisted that the only way to save Susan is for them to both kill themselves. This is the moment where I wish it was a video because you can't see the fact that I can't move my face. What? Yeah. He told her that they needed to go to the store, and while he went in to purchase the items needed to carry out his plan, she contemplated just how trapped she felt. She did yeah. Yeah. What the heck is she supposed to do? She didn't believe the police would help her, given that they think she was involved. Cheryl had obviously turned on her. And the brother that she loved and invited to live with her is now admitting to murder. So she was scared of what he might do if she didn't go along with him. If she said, no, you need to turn yourself in. I'm driving back to the police station. (laughs) And mind you, she also, because, again, I think this is a trauma response. She writes about how, like, she blamed herself, even Even after everything comes out, she blames herself because she brought him Mm -hmm. back into their lives. It's terrible. That's so sad. This is yet another moment that clearly sounds insane to any of us that have an ounce of healing from even if you've been traumatized, but you have like healing, you've been through therapy, you've dealt with stuff. This family never did. They just carried on life. Yeah. Like, so. I honestly can see how, just like you said, I'm empathetic to go, this is insane, but like I can see how she got there. Mm -hmm. I can see Uh, why she goes along with it. I can see why she feels guilty about bringing him into their lives, why she wants to save Susan. I can see it. And I don't know what what she should do. Yeah. Like, what do you do? I I don't know what happens next. I don't know what you, what you're in the car. Your brother just went in to go get stuff to kill himself because he admitted to killing both of your parents. 
And he wants to kill you too. And he wants to kill you too. And the body is in your backyard and the person that you love is going to be indicated unless you kill yourself. What the actual fuck are you supposed to do? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm picturing myself sitting in a car. Yeah. I mean, you get out and run while he's in the store, I guess, maybe. But then nobody's going to believe you because the police think you did it. Exactly. Oh, my God. I have to know what she did. Well, she thought she was, by going along with him, that she was protecting everyone else. Protecting Susan in particular, yeah. but even, like, everybody. So he comes out of the store, and he directed her to one of the storage units that he had rented. He had her pull the truck inside, and while she used the restroom, which was crazy to me because I was thinking of storage units in, like, Ohio that are outdoor. Like, they're just, Uh, like, a bunch of garages. Yeah. And I was like, where the hell do you go to the restroom (laughs) at those places? But I forgot. In Florida, they're all, like, indoor. But you can, like, there are some that are made so that you can store cars. So, but the place itself probably has a restroom, I guess. I don't know. You gotta, okay. Anyway, so, she said she went to the restroom. New plan. You gotta pull a Joe Goldberg. You don't know who that is. And you gotta lock him in the storage unit. It's from, you, you didn't watch the show. Oh, yeah. I knew the name, though. I oh, the name yeah. mentioned. Okay. You gotta lock him in the storage unit. And then, I, I don't know what you do, but that's what you do next. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapping is a much lesser charge than murder. So, yeah. So, she goes and uses the restroom. And he sets... Up. Again, imagine peeing. <laughs> and like, what do you do? Knowing, like, what do I do? I, I can't imagine doing like the on mundane one hand, tasks. Like, one hand, I would really need to pee. And on the <laughs> yeah. other hand, I'd be scared to pee. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> you're like, I have a nervous tummy. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yeah, so is, just, I just, this whole story is so crazy. I can't wrap my head around it. It is. Stranger than fiction. This might be one of my favorite cases we've that you've ever covered. It's it's a really good it's up one. there it's for me. Fascinating for sure. Okay, so she's in the restroom. He sets up tubing from the exhaust of the truck into the window. She comes back and he hands her a bottle of Nyquil because apparently, because thanks to her abuse, she also couldn't swallow pills, so she always took liquid medicine. Hands her a bottle of Nyquil, says, "Drink it that way." You'll just fall asleep, and you just won't ever wake up. It'll be fine. And then he proceeds to take what she believed was sleeping pills. Except that the pills don't kick in as fast as NyQuil does. So before she gets too out of it, Stacy insisted on calling Susan, knowing that Susan's at work. So she's just going to have to leave her a voicemail. But she wants to leave her a voicemail to warn her about the search. Yeah. And so she just leaves a message saying... The police are going to come and search. Just let them do what they need to do. They will. And, and God bless. All she says is they will explain everything. But she didn't defend it. herself in the. No. no. She just was like, I don't want her to get implicated. So I'm just going to make it seem like she didn't mm-hmm. know, even though you didn't know either. Oh, I wish I had tissues. So she started feeling woozy from the NyQuil kicking in. And then Richard says, we should write notes. So she did. She managed to write a letter to Susan stating some of what you would expect from a suicide note. But also in it, she made the statement, quote, we had a part in mother's leaving, which sounds incriminating unless you understand where her mind was. 
and that she was blaming herself for bringing him into their life. So she claims that she wrote that because she was, one, woozy and confused, you know. And two, because she's like, I was blaming myself. Like, I felt responsible. Even though I didn't actually do those things, I felt responsible because I brought him into the family. I continued to overlook all of the crazy stuff he was doing. And all of this happens within so hours. Fast. Like, so fast. It's it sounds crazy to think that anybody would do that or say that or think that way, but uh, but I totally get how she got here because her options were very limited. Like yeah. So Richard's note, they wrote it in the same notebook. By the way, a notebook that he took from their kitchen. It was like just a a notebook that they kept around to write. Phone messages messages or notes to each other or whatever. He writes on the next page or whatever after her, but she doesn't see it before she passes out. His note read as follows. Quote, in September 88, my mother came over to my house and asked me to come over. I did. Our father was killed by Stacy. I begged my mother to call the police. She refused. She had bought a freezer and later decided to bury him in the garage. In September of 03, mother told Stacy and me that she was going to use grandpa's money and take Cheryl's kids away. She helped to destroy three lives. She could not destroy more. She is in the ground by the shed. Please read grandpa's will. It needs to be done right. Sir. You just took $100,000 of that money, and now you're like, oh, it needs to be done right. Mind you, also, side note, Marilyn is not completely innocent in all of this anyway, because not only does she keep cashing the Social Security checks, although I believe Stacy writes in her book that her mother kept the money, but never touched it. Like, she had it. So, I like, that may have been like, well, I can't report a missing. Yeah. And if I I stop the social security, then what? It may have just been like, okay, well, I'm just going to put this money aside. And that way, if they ever do catch on or we ever do have to claim like, oh, no, he died or he went missing now or whatever, then she has it to pay back. Possibly. But what she also did was she was supposed to be an executor for her father's will, estate, whatever. But she was supposed to. However, he wrote his stuff. He unfortunately like trusted her to just handle it, and he didn't have it spelled out exactly like who was to get what. And she never gave the portion of money that she was supposed to give to her siblings. She never gave it to them. She held on to the money, which is what he meant by it needs to be done right. Yeah, like it needs to be finished. He's a good guy, just trying to make things right. That Richard. I nope. shouldn't say that because he was just as abusive, not more so. He's just messed up. Dude has serious mental well, health. Well, yeah, but it, again, it's not all his fault that he is messed up. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It's I make jokes, but then I feel bad because yeah. I'm like, well, no, you were just as abused. I should yeah, feel sorry no, for I you get too. What you're saying. But also. Not everybody that went through what you did turns out to be. Yeah, as always, it's an explanation, not an excuse. Yes, exactly. Now, 
On another page in the notebook, there were two notes to Cheryl on the same page. One, supposedly, from each of them. But Stacy does not recall writing the one with her signature. Also, I forgot to mention it, but some of the evidence that they have as far as money being moved Mm -hmm. was that they had a check that was supposedly made out to Stacy and was cashed under Stacy's name and signed with Stacy's name. But Stacy swears, I didn't sign that. And I always use my middle initial, and that doesn't have my middle initial. And didn't, didn't, didn't Richard Sr. teach his son how to be a forger? Mm. It's very convenient. Although a real forger mm-hmm. will remember that she uses her middle initial. <laughs> True. So Richard's note to Cheryl states he hopes they get help and that he's sorry, but their mother was going to use grandpa's money. Stacy's note to Cheryl states that she loves them all, but we couldn't let mother take the kids away from you. Fortunately, the police were watching them <laughs> and knew about the storage units. So they were able to get Richard and Stacy out before the plan was successful. Say, like there's there's literally no way to get out of this at this point. You're drugged, you're mm-hmm. actively dying. Stacy awoke in the hospital to detectives chomping at the bit to question her again. Now, Richard's confessions. Yes, plural. I was going to say multiple? Yes. Once brought in by detectives and cleared medically, because he was fine. He was still awake when they showed up to rescue them. She was like, she had carbon monoxide poisoning. She was in the hospital getting medical treatment and then had to stay another 72 hours Mm -hmm. for the psyche eval and all of that. He... Was absolutely fine. Because, again, she took NyQuil. He took pills. That's even assuming that he took actual sleeping pills and that his plan wasn't to just somehow... Disappear. Make hers look like a suicide and then he disappears or some crap. Who knows? But they bring Richard in. They immediately arrest him. And Richard claimed that Stacy had killed their father all those years ago to protect the family from any further abuse. He did admit to killing their mother, claiming that he couldn't let her take Cheryl's kids. Even recovering from her suicide attempt, Stacy held that she did not kill either of her parents and that she had no idea that Richard had. She's like, I don't know. I am not yeah, a part of no any idea. of this. She told them that she hadn't read his notes and did not recall writing the one that she supposedly wrote to Cheryl. When they questioned Richard further, he repeated that their father was dead when he got to the house and that it was their mother who wanted to bury him in the garage. He admitted to killing their mother, but when asked when he told Stacy that he had buried Marilyn in the backyard, he would only say, don't want to say. And when asked if Stacy had helped him, he repeated, don't want to say. Richard denied ever telling his nephew that he killed his father. Liar. He also told them that he didn't remember how he killed his mother. Liar. Richard was arrested. Oh, I already mentioned that, but (laughs) Richard was arrested upon being released from the hospital, but Stacy was sent home. They didn't arrest her. 
because they can't arrest her. They have absolutely no proof other than her coerced confessions, Mm -hmm. which weren't really confessions. No, not really. So no charges were brought against her, and she was even subpoenaed to testify against Richard at his upcoming trial. And though she didn't want to, she was fully prepared to. Well, yeah, you're, yeah. Once things settled just a bit, she and Susan were going through Richard's things at their house to clear out what they could, and they found a manuscript for a novel that he had been writing. My eyes just got so wide because I know this is going to be bad. Although it was portrayed as fiction, it was eerily similar to their family story and upbringing, and of of course included murder. Though it may not be proof positive, it was pretty evident that it laid out Richard's guilt. Stacy and Susan immediately turned it over to detectives and did what they could to cooperate with any further investigation. So, they're thinking, well, you're using me as a witness. I'm cooperating. Yada, yada. Okay, we're good, right? And Stacy wished that he would get a plea deal, given the circumstances. The prosecution, or the prosecutor, was supposed to inform her if he did get offered or take a plea deal so that she would know she doesn't have to testify. They didn't hear anything when they should have. Like, they knew there should have been, like, a timeline on when will we know if he gets a plea. They heard nothing. Susan tried emailing, calling, nothing. They unfortunately had to find out through a newspaper. That Richard did take a plea deal, but it wasn't quite what Stacy had hoped for. See, though they had not charged Stacy initially, something somewhere along the way changed, and they were now looking to hold Stacy responsible as well. The only thing that was needed was Richard to testify against her because all of the other evidence was circumstantial. So, Richard pleaded no contest to manslaughter for the death of Richard Sr. and no contest to second-degree murder for the death of Marilyn. He received 15 years for the manslaughter and 30 years for the second-degree murder. During the hearing, what the prosecutor presented to the judge shocked and horrified Stacy. She claimed that the state could show that Stacy was in on everything from killing their father to transferring money from Marilyn's accounts into their landscaping business account. Oh my gosh, I was wondering when that was going to come back up. And even admitting that she impersonated Marilyn to the bank while being held in the room with Richard at the police station. What Stacy didn't know was that once the bodies were found, witnesses suddenly realized just how suspicious some of Stacy's behavior was, too. Suddenly, people that had been very supportive were now mm, mm-hmm. not so supportive, and some of them were talking to police and prosecutors, including Cheryl. Cheryl shared her feelings with Detective Hussey on an encounter they had had with Stacy when they stopped by her house on her birthday, not long after Marilyn went missing. I believe her birthday was like 10 days or something after mm-hmm. Marilyn went missing. See, Susan, Stacy's girlfriend, had been encouraged to take their annual cruise with her mother, Anne, just after Marilyn disappeared because Stacy felt there was nothing Susan could do and Anne still wanted to go. And normally, 
Stacy would go with them. Yeah. But, but that particular year, she, I forget exactly what it was, but I believe it was a combination of things and work, most importantly, that she decided not to go, even before her mom went missing. And then, of course, when her mom went missing, she was like, well, now I'm really not going. Yeah. Because they were going and Stacy was staying, Stacy offered to watch Anne's dog while they were gone. When Cheryl, Chris, and the kids stopped by Stacy's house on her birthday, Stacy put the dogs in one of the bathrooms as Anne's dog was not accustomed to children. Cheryl's son needed to use the bathroom and headed for the one that the dogs were in. That's the one he normally mm-hmm. used. And Stacy stopped him and directed him to use a different one. Cheryl and Detective Hussey saw this as suspicious behavior, and later in the trial, they attempt to use it against Stacy, claiming she may not have wanted anyone in that bathroom because the window overlooks the backyard. That seems like a bit of a reach, but whatever. But here's the thing. They were all in the main living area, and they have a pool and a lanai and a big old sliding glass door or window that overlooks the backyard as well. So what difference would it have really made? And people are a lot more likely to stand and look out the window at the backyard from a main living area than a bathroom. For real. (laughs) So neighbors that had previously been supportive, as I said, and seemingly understanding were suddenly questioning everything Stacy was doing or had done. Richard left the plea hearing and was immediately taken to a conference room within the courthouse to give his official confession to Detective Hussey. And this time, Richard claimed that his father was dead when he got to his mother's house that day in 1988, Mm -hmm. and he never asked any questions about how he died or even looked at the body. He said the body was wrapped up already. He said all he did was bury it in the garage floor and then go over to his sister Cheryl's house to let her know in person that she wouldn't have to be afraid of their father ruining her wedding anymore, that he had left and he would not be back. Richard's confession about their mother changed this time, though. This time, he claimed that Stacy was there and she was the one who tased their mother when they got back to Marilyn's house from taking her to dinner at Fazoli's and seeing the movie Charlie's Angels 2 at the theater. Sounds like a good night. He also changed the motive. I was going to say, so but just beforehand, the motive has always just been her money, correct? It was, it was kind of a combination of she was using grandpa's money. And the kids. And she was going to take away Cheryl's kids. Yeah. This time, he claimed that Stacy was arguing with Marilyn about talking to people about their father and that Stacy was scared that she would get caught for killing him if Marilyn kept talking about where he potentially was. Richard, very much guided by questions the detectives were asking, said that once Marilyn fell down after being tased, she was suffocated by him holding a bandana over her face and squeezing her nose. He claimed that Stacy just stood over them as he suffocated their mother and that there was no need to hold Marilyn down because she didn't put up a fight. I mean, she's in her 60s. But like that's So not- like a tase might take her out, but like but it's the body's automatic response that when you can't breathe, like you're going to do something. Yeah. 
So that's hard to believe, but whatever. Next, he told them that they wrapped her in garbage bags and duct tape, placed her in the trunk of their car, and drove it to a storage unit where they placed her body in a freezer that Richard had purchased a couple weeks prior. Then they went back to the house and changed the locks. Richard claimed that he and Stacy purposely sent Susan on the cruise with her mother to get her out of the house so they could bury Marilyn in the backyard. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know what else to say at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Just days after his plea deal and confession, officers from Orange County, where the crimes took place, and Hillsborough County, where Stacy and Susan had moved to, showed up to arrest Stacy. And of course, leading the charge is Mr. Hussey. I was going to say, it's the Hussey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Stacy and Susan had moved to the nudist resort <laughs> that Susan's mother owned, not because they were nudists, and not only to get away from the horrific feelings of knowing Marilyn had been buried in their backyard, but also to help Susan's mother run the resort. And because, honestly, even just everything that had happened up to that point ruined Stacy's reputation with work. Yeah. And so she couldn't continue working at Disney. So they had to leave their jobs that they dearly loved at Disney. Yeah. So clearly, a dozen officers showing up to arrest one woman at a senior citizen nudist resort is quite the spectacle. I believe one of the elderly people even yelled out, like, she's just one woman. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are there so many of you? For real. Stacy was smart, though. And when given the option to go with the local Hillsborough County officers or with the detectives from Orange County, she went with the local officers. Okay. Not only because she absolutely should not get in a car with Hussey, but it also put her in a smaller jail facility mm-hmm. because Orange County, Orlando is scary. She did end up going there briefly before she gets her yeah. attorney, her official attorney, her badass attorney. So that being said... She can no longer use the attorney that she had retained throughout the stuff with questioning and okay. and they had just retained an attorney. I There was a couple instances that he had to help them, but I don't recall exactly when she retained him, but he had helped her through like some of the questioning and some of the stuff with Richard and, and whatnot. But anyway, I don't remember. I think it was because of money. She couldn't afford to retain him. But actually, it worked out in her favor because even though she was forced to rely on a public defender, the only public defender available at the time had a conflict of interest because of her brother. Oh. So she was assigned a well-known defense attorney pro bono. And that defense attorney was Diana Tennis, who is now a circuit court judge. She Diana Tennis, that sounds like a badass name. She is a badass. I mean, I can see why some people don't like her, but she's something. I suggest watching even just some clips of the trial just to see her at work. Okay. It was quite impressive. And this is just to show how well she starts off. Diana was able to get Stacy out on bond, <laughs> which is like 
unheard of when it comes to murder charges. Yeah. I mean, unless you're super rich, but. And she's not. Yeah. It was like a $100,000 bond. So she found a bondsman who would pay 50 of that or whatever. I think it's like maybe like a fourth or a third she of it. She had both, a, I believe, a PI and a bonds person that were amazing. And they worked with them throughout the whole process. Because I'm telling you, she's innocent. And when you understand the full story, if you can look at it from the whole perspective, you understand that. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, but I see how we got here. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get behind her. Yep. Like, But you have to just have an open mind to look at everything and not just look at what's on the table in front of you. Yeah. I do, I'm trying so hard not <laughs> to jump ahead. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay. So during the pretrial deposition that Diana arranged with Richard, He told her that he decided to take the plea deal because he thought not having a trial would be better for the family. I can't say that you don't care about the family, but I can't say that you do either because you you did kill your abusive father. Yeah. But also you stole money and killed your mother. So he also said that he told them that Stacy killed both their parents and admitted that was not the full truth. Yeah. So once again, he's changing. He's changing what he's saying. And that's what guilty people do. They change our stories. When she asked what part was not true, he said that Stacy killed mom. She asked why he would do that, and he claimed to not know. But when she asked if he was upset that Stacy had talked to the prosecutor and was going to testify against him, he admitted he was. But also said that he decided to do it after Cheryl had visited him in jail and told him that he should let out the whole truth so she and the family could have closure. So once blink, a- blink. Once again, his story has changed. But before actually going to trial, the charges for their father's murder were dropped because they literally had nothing yeah. except for crazy man over here saying you did it. That's all they had. So they dropped those charges, but Stacy still faced a possible life sentence for helping Richard kill their mother. Now the trial. Oh, boy. This is a long one, y'all. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you. I think we're at like almost an hour and a half. Oh, my God. This is so long. I'll do my best to edit it. I'm sorry. I don't know if there's much to cut out, but it's excellent, and I'm so invested. Okay. So the trial was televised on CNN and is now available on Court TV. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of difficult to watch. Fast forward (laughs) through a lot of stuff. Mostly what was difficult for me was the prosecutor. I instantly felt put off by this prosecutor. She just came across as aggressive and arrogant, even when just talking to the jury, like for opening statements. Diana Tennis, on the other hand was very likable, but definitely stood her ground when arguing her case, even to the judge. There was times that I was like, holy crap, you can't talk to a judge like that. <laughs> like, and she would then apologize to him, but like, she held her ground. The prosecution held that Stacy helped Richard kill Marilyn, and the motive was $250,000 in their grandfather's trust account. Again, now it's money. Uh, yeah. It- Practically from the start, the prosecutor objected to what felt like every other question on grounds of hearsay. 
There's an entire separate clip or episode on court TV. You know how they like break down the trials and like little bits. There's an entire separate thing of just them, just the attorneys debating with the judge over what hearsay is. And if if that's hearsay, if it's not hearsay, why is she asking that question? It's ridiculous. They made that poor jury go in and out of that courtroom so many times. It would make their head spin. But Diana Tennis held her ground. She was determined that if that prosecution wanted to bring this exceedingly circumstantial case against her client, she was going to argue the circumstances. Yeah. So up first to testify was Cheryl. Who, by the way, not a fan. Yeah. She told of their father's abuse and claimed she didn't believe Stacy received as much abuse as she and Richard had, which we know. She talked of the time Richard rescued them from the house fire. She testified to what happened when they realized Marilyn was missing. She told the court that Richard claimed that their father must be back and had probably taken Marilyn. She also claimed that when she told Stacy she believed something terrible had happened, Stacy immediately got up to leave saying, I have to go talk to Richard. Because that was part of Cheryl's whole thing. Yeah. And actually, it's not that they were lying. Like, her husband even testified that when they would have family gatherings, Richard and Stacy would often be, like, kind of off by themselves, like, talking. Okay. But when you hear Stacy's perspective, it was Richard setting that up. Yeah. He kept pulling her away, trying to have these private little conversations, and they weren't talking about anything. They weren't in cahoots. He would just be like, hey, let's like, and he, yeah. so you could see it either way. I get why it looked suspicious to them, but really it may not have been. Yeah. Upon cross-examination though, Diana walked Cheryl through the possibility that their father often separated them, saving the worst abuse for when they were alone with him. And that may have skewed her perspective about how abused Stacy was. And that it was possible that Stacy suffered far worse abuse once she was the only child in the house. Mm-hmm. Diana also questioned her about the issues over her parenting and about her telling Richard to take the plea and tell the truth for her sake. To which Cheryl said, I thought that 20 years and telling everything he knew was what I needed. So next up were Cheryl's husband, Chris, and their son. Now, he was 18. This all happened when he was like 11, mm-hmm. 12. But at the time of her trial, that's how long it took them yeah. to get her to trial. He was 18, so he could testify. Mm-hmm. Now, they both confirmed all of the things I've previously talked about. Things that Richard said, the incident about the bathroom at Stacy's, the issues about Cheryl's parenting, etc. Diana also made it a point to walk Chris through some questions about the family dynamic in general, that they were not as close in some ways as other families, their communication is quite different, and he confirmed that Cheryl and Stacy in particular were never really close. After that, Richard was called to the stand. This time, he was backed to saying that he killed Marilyn with the help of Stacy. He, too, confirmed stories of their father's abuse and said that his hearing loss was actually from his father shooting a double-barrel shotgun right next to his ear as he was sleeping. 
The difference in Richard's stories of abuse is that he claimed their mother had a hand in it. Unlike both Stacy and Cheryl, who said their mother was also just a victim and couldn't do anything to help them without making it worse. Richard also contradicted the other testimonies by stating he never talked to his nephew about their childhood abuse or crimes he could commit and never talked to Chris or Stacy about Cheryl's parenting issues. He says it never happened. He claimed that it was just Marilyn who wanted to take the kids away from Cheryl and Chris. He stuck to his story about him and Stacy taking Marilyn to dinner at Fazoli's and the movie, this time claiming that Stacy had the taser underneath her clothing the entire time. He also changed his story back to what he told detectives after his plea that Stacy tased her and then stood over them as he suffocated her with the bandana. He then claimed that they were driving her body to the storage unit at about 8 or 9 p.m. That's important. Keep that in mind. Okay. Diana breezed through questions that Richard consistently contradicted what others testified to. She also took him through his original confession, which was contradictory to what he was now testifying to. He admitted that the first time he claimed Stacy was involved in murdering their mother was after he was offered the plea deal. Diana then asked if he had known that prior to the plea deal, the state could have still asked for the death penalty. He confirmed that he knew, and just then the prosecution objected, and they spent the rest of the afternoon debating over the grounds of the objection. Fortunately, though, Diana had already asked Richard everything she wanted to. Just such a waste of time. Yeah. There were plenty of others to testify for and against Stacy, but the last one that I want to talk about is good old Hussy. Good old Detective Hussy. The prosecutor walked him through testimony that they had received the e-pass information on Marilyn's car to track her last whereabouts and the state entered the record into evidence. Hussey read the report to the jury that the last use of Marilyn's e-pass was September 10th, 2003, at 17.53 p.m., which is 5.53. It made sense. Based on the location and time, that would have been when Marilyn was on her way home from work. He reiterated some of the previous witness testimony about the money trail, he then admitted that he let Stacy know she was a suspect, saying, quote, I told her there wasn't a statute of limitations on murder and that at some point I intended to prove that she was involved in this and I would be coming to arrest her. Let this that sit. Stupid guy is insane. Then Diana comes up. Come on, girl. She walks him through the state's decision to use Stacy as a witness in Richard's case. If she was a suspect, why would they do that? To which Hussey said it wasn't his call to make. Despite admitting that he knew Richard had given varying stories each time somebody different would talk to him, Hussey denied having any reason to doubt Richard's claims. She walked him through some other things that clearly showed he was biased against Stacy, and then hit him with the final blow. Richard's claim that they went to dinner and a movie the night before she was reported missing. Mm-hmm. Remember, Richard claims that she was done and killed by 8 or 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. 
So she asked Hussey if they had corroborated the possibility that the movie Richard claimed to go see was in fact playing at the theater at the time that he told them they went. To which Hussey said he wasn't sure. He didn't remember. Richard claimed to have gone to a six o'clock showing of the movie at a theater that was kind of across town from Marilyn's work. Mm -hmm. So Diana walked him through his testimony about the e-pass showing that Marilyn was on the road having just left work at 5.53 p.m. And for those of you not familiar with the Orlando area, (laughs) no No. one is getting anywhere in seven minutes. Anywhere. She then confirms that the detective knows from his investigation just how regimented Marilyn was and that she always wore different clothes to work than Mm -hmm. social outings. Yes. So then she goes through like kind of a made up scenario where, okay, well, maybe he was wrong about the six o'clock movie. Let's say she makes it home and she changes her clothes and she goes and meets them for a seven o'clock showing instead. Except that that movie is probably close to, if not two hours long, which means they wouldn't get out until around 9 p.m. And then Richard claimed to have had dinner at Fazoli's which would have placed Marilyn getting home at least not till like 9.45 or 10. And as everyone knows, she was extremely regimented. She never went out on a work night. She was always in bed by 9.30 or 10. Yeah. So she asks if the detectives ever questioned Richard about his story not adding up based on the e-pass records. And Hussey admitted that they hadn't. He also confirmed that the tape found on Marilyn had never been tested for DNA. What? And they had never questioned Richard about any other physical evidence that contradicted his testimony. Uh, uh, Can you even? No, because they didn't. (laughs) They did it. They didn't. They They didn't uh, want to. They didn't want to. They wanted to. He just decided from day one that Stacy did it and that Richard helped or Richard was involved and moved on. And I have a feeling we're going to find out why that's the case. Yeah. I mean, I will say he was new to the homicide department, but he he wasn't a new detective. He's not a young, stupid detective. Like, he knows how to detect things. (laughs) Like It's like, I mean, it's just so painfully obvious that this is just like a he just decided. Yeah. And it's a clear case of them making the evidence fit what they want versus looking at the evidence and seeing what the picture is. Yes. So seven years, seven years after Marilyn Cannonan went missing, Stacy Cannonan was found not guilty. Thank the Lord, because if she had found, been found guilty, I would have lost it. And that's another thing that she did, that if you're guilty, you like don't really ever do. She took the stand. Oh, yeah. So then she definitely didn't do it. Because your attorney, if your attorney thinks you're guilty, even if you keep saying, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty, your attorney is not going to put you on the stand. Because they can't knowingly allow you to commit perjury. Yes. So. So. No one knows to this day. Well, somebody knows. But no one left to this day knows what exactly happened to Richard Sr. Though it was established that he died from a gunshot wound to the head. 
Oh, I think I can tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. And he, yes, he was, of course, I mean, I didn't explicitly say it, but yes, they found him in the garage floor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Marilyn was in Stacy's backyard. Richard is serving his sentence in a state prison for inmates with mental health issues. Not shocking. That fits. Stacy and Susan managed to stay together. Yay! And gain what little semblance of what their lives were before. Stacy had no further contact with Cheryl, but stated in her book that she eventually spoke with her nephew, mm-hmm. who told her that Cheryl and Chris had gotten divorced. And Cheryl was now dating Detective Hussey. Hussey. I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it the whole time! So that is the sad and tragic story of the Cannon family. What? Thank you for hanging in there. I'm sorry it was so long. A, what you couldn't have but cut? Any, was, you couldn't have cut anything out. I cut. I cut a lot of stuff. Oh out. my gosh! <laughs> wow. I picked. I definitely. Wow. Chose. I cherry picked what I thought was most important. Important or linked together. Yeah. Tons of circumstantial evidence. And her trial was really long, considering because you're like, how you don't even have like you don't have a real case here. How is this so long? But that's how. Because it was circumstantial. Just all circumstantial. Well, like always, if you make it to the end and you want a little video, if you made it all the way through this really monster of an episode, send us Yay. a DM and comment on our post about the episode. We'll make it worth your while. Yes. Wow. I have that I think this is one of the, my favorite cases that you've ever covered. It's it's wild. Such a crazy one. It's wild. Yeah. Took me two weeks. It did. It did. At least two weeks. I think I started it before. It, yeah. It was a lot. And especially considering I didn't have that many sources. Yeah. Because I haven't seen many. That's the other thing. I can't believe this isn't more popular. I, yeah. Wow. I don't know. But in any case, if you want more details on the case. Yes. My sources are in, in the show notes. The trial is dry to watch in some ways. Just fast forward to Diana Tennis because she is fascinating to watch. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go watch some of it. Um and then the book, like honestly, Stacy's book is yeah. like like I said, she's not a writer and that shows, but like she goes through it. Wow. Like it's worth if you're if you're interested in more details. If you feel like I may be like <laughs> I don't know how, but I yeah, wow. I didn't tell all the details. So there you go. There were so many twists and turns. I hope you guys enjoyed. Yes, me too. Thank, Thank you. you so much for all your hard work to, to bring us that. It was awesome. And in the meantime, if you want to let us know how you're thinking or how you're feeling, find us on any social media platform other than Twitter. I don't like Twitter. And Boo. it's nothing personal. I just don't like the format. And um, there used to be a place to request cases in our link tree and then I realized that it got taken down so by the time this episode is back up it will be back up and you can always request a case that you want us to cover it talk a little bit about the court case and trial we'll see what we can do definitely see what we can do for you it may be a little bit challenging I just want to put that disclaimer maybe a little bit challenging sometimes to cover cases from other countries yeah that's the only thing when it's UK or Canada we can normally make it work especially Canada yeah they're their system isn't drastically different from ours. So. so that's different. But sometimes 
other countries can be hard. Yeah. But let us know. But anywho, you can always try. We'll look into it. We love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Yep. Till Thursday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.